This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Uh, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! And now, it's time for Coach Hog's Locker Room. Good morning, good morning. Coach Hogg here in Coach Hogg's locker room uh, inside the Mellon Law Studio in the Warthog Command Center. Uh, welcome to a sunny, sunny, kind of chilly here in North Central Florida in God's country, uh, the piney woods of North Central Florida where retention ponds are overflowing right now. We had a tremendous amount of rain, which uh, I apologize, I apologize, I apologize for the naked rain dance, but you know, people, ask and ask and ask for the naked rain dance because they get frustrated there's no rain. I can probably make it rain, but I can't make it stop. So I apologize, I apologize, I apologize. In the tradition of former County Commissioner Lee Pinkison, who had a cosmic apology, he accepted guilt for everything. He was a wonderful man in that respect and that whether he had actually done it or even thought it, like Jimmy Carter, he said there was lust in his heart. He would think about those Playboy foldouts, but he wouldn't actually ever do anything with them. Um, you know, Lee Pinkinson always accepted guilt for everything. And uh, that way he was just well-liked by everybody. I mean, he never uh, apologized for anything that uh, uh, he uh, didn't think he was responsible for. And by golly, he thought he was responsible for everything. So I apologize, I apologize, I apologize. Uh, for the five, six, seven inches of rain, whatever you got, but I'm gonna hopefully won't have to do that again for a while. In the step out of the Warthog Command Center and do the naked rain dance, which is out on Facebook if you want to look at it. Only from the waist up, though. Uh, nothing from the waist down. Okay. Uh, well, we've got some exciting news here. I think it's exciting. I want to uh, because I'm I was not a Mike White fan. Uh, uh, as a basketball observer, I'm not even a fan of the new arrangement for the so-called exact tech center. Um, you know, everything is for sale in America. And if you put up enough money, you can just name the thing after you. So it's called exact tech center. And we're going to talk about how not only now can you buy your name on the side of buildings, you can buy players. And um, that's going to be what, how it works from here on out really all the way down into high school, you can buy players. So by that, I mean pay them and they'll come and play for you. So Mike White uh, was a mystery kind of always here in Florida. Um, you know, he had tough shoes to fill. He had to follow Billy Donovan, Donovan, as he was called by the Yankee announcers, Billy Donovan. And uh, Billy Donovan, you know, I got to say, I don't know whether this means anything or not, but on the sideline uh, during the games, uh, the public uh, would see Billy Donovan. He was always dressed to the nines. 
every hair was in place. Uh, he dressed really, really well. And I've always wondered if that doesn't make a difference in the formality and the expectations. They look over as players and see, you know, uh, Tom Landry used to do this uh, on the sidelines of the Dallas Cowboys. Vince Lombardi did it on the sidelines. Uh, Tom Hallis did it. These are just a few guys that come to mind that approach the sideline decorum with a kind of professionalism and uh, uh, GQ appearance that, you know, I always thought that was kind of cool. You know, you, you know you're going to get down there in your sweats and, and I don't ask that the women coaches do that, although some of them dress to the nines. I mean, they really do. That one from Tennessee uh, is always something to, got something dashing on. I don't know. I don't want the women in, in some formal dress, of course. But, uh, you know, I'm just taking note of it. I don't know exactly where you can go with it, whether there's anything um, to it. But uh, I always thought that Mike White, um, you know, didn't quite uh, present on the, I don't mean to pun here, but on the ball type of appearance on the sideline. He, he, um, and that may be nothing, have nothing to do with anything, but, but he didn't perform either, principally in terms of, of, of recruiting. Uh, the cupboard was bare and he had to go out and rely on the transfer portal to put this year's team together, which is a scrappy type of schoolyard team. Um, the aficionados of the game, uh, I played the game uh, one time and I was, a, I was a shooter. I, could, I, I just could shoot. I mean, I spent hours and hours and hours on the playground uh, doing that. And uh, it's something that you kind of learn to, the feel of. And the more, ironically, the more you shoot, the better you get. Uh, you get in a, in a kind of a zone. You get, you know, you get where you can't miss or you believe you can't miss. But we never had anybody consistently we could go to who could get in the zone for the three-point shots. We had some guys that do it once in a while, but we didn't have a th quote-unquote three-point shooter. Um, Donovan always had at least one, couple, maybe sometimes two. And then he had big presence down low, which, of course, we had the unfortunate situation with the young man who had the heart problems, which hurt him a little bit down low. But he was still not the big presence down low that Donovan was able to recruit. Uh, three of Donovan's... Uh, down low guys, you know, went on to be pros, great pros. And there were a number before that, David Lee and uh, those type of guys that, uh, you know, they would come here and play for Donovan. And I never sensed that anybody wanted to come here and play for White. Um, you, know, you know, so that, that kind of bothers me a little bit in that Georgia has jumped on him and brought him over. But look, Georgia was at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, their, their guy couldn't uh, – uh, you know, win uh, much at all. So uh, White um, jumped ship and went to Georgia. And we'll find out if um, White's able to recruit at Georgia after a couple of years. I guess Georgia doesn't feel they can do much worse. But uh, it does um, strike a very, very deep question for the rabid Gator fan. And that is whether or not um, uh, there's anybody who can come in and really fill Donovan's shoes. I really felt that the basketball program slipped off the rails and was struggling to get back. This is all before Billy Donovan came uh, when we had Norm Sloan and Monty Tao was to be the heir apparent. And uh, they got crossroads ways in the row with 
Max, the three M's, Maxwell, Maxwell Morton, and uh, the, anyway, the other Montgomery, I guess, was the other one. And, um, you know, they had to make a pact with the devil to start that program. And the devil was Maxwell, uh, who was a very good player, but a troublemaker off the court. And eventually they got burned by him. But, um, you know, Monty, Monty, Monty Tao was the heir apparent. And, you know, he played, you know, that was sort of the plan, the plan all along to keep the legacy going. Um, Norm Sloan had kind of put us on the map in basketball. And now what's happened to the SEC is interesting. Uh, it is now a basketball league as well as a football league. And that is going to be very interesting. I'm, I've got the numbers here, but uh, I've forgotten I've got how many of them are. Let's see. Uh, there's a 68-team NCAA, and an awful lot of them are coming from uh, the SEC. Of course, Gonzaga is the top one, and um, that's kind of a basketball school. That's what they do. Um, that's their forte. And uh, they, they go out there and um, – uh, you know, do their thing and do it pretty well and show up try again and again. I'm juggling two or three computers here. Um, and and um, they, they seem to be the ones who are the premier recruit this year for the so-called big dance or the March Madness, which is an actually very good uh, description of what goes on in March with this stuff. Um, people just get a frenzy. Of course, betting flies around all over the place. We had a surprise winner for the SEC, and that's Tennessee over Kentucky. But um, Kentucky, the point is, year in and year out, has got depth on the bench. We had no depth on the bench. Um, I don't know what's um, going to become of the Gator. It's going to be uh, interesting. It's probably the next big drama since we've settled the mystery about Lady Gator basketball, which is right now the premier basketball a team on the campus. They're going to be going to the NCAA and they're going to be playing uh, Wednesday, uh, Iona at 9 p.m. And if they win that, they, they will play uh, UCF. We've got a bye, evidently. Um, so that's a first for <clears throat> Lady Gator basketball. And uh, the coach Finley is to be uh, applauded for that and has been recognized by uh, several of these organizations as being up for coach of the year. So we really need uh, a commiserate type of uh, activity here for the men. Um, they pull out all the stops here. Uh, they've uh, hacked up the, the basketball coliseum and given what I call the, the high rollers a, a meal um, before the game and they get to wander out and watch it. I don't know what they did, why they did that. I guess they thought they'd have to use that as a, to get more people in here to pay the big bucks and support the big salaries and all that. But they had a pretty good arrangement before. Of course, they took down when they did that, the indoor track and all the activities that could have taken place uh, in the SEC indoor track events, which I used to always go see there. You can't do them now. Um, so there's a lot of things that's been put really on the line for, uh, for University of Florida basketball. I mean, and, you know, it hasn't paid the dividends. I mean, you tear up the design of the place, you redesign it, give the high rollers a meal, um, and, the, you know, the chickens don't, don't come home to roost. And you start embarrassing the high rollers or sitting up there groaning and moaning because they expect everything to return to the Billy Donovan days. 
So I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody else does, including that Scott Strickland, I'll guarantee you. And uh, he's going to go out there and, and uh, try to hunt around and see what he can get. Now, it's going to be interesting because um, you got the transfer portal and all that name, image, likeness stuff involved. And um, so somebody's going to have to have a deep pocket. I think, I've been thinking about this, in the sports world here in Gainesville, um, you know, where you, you, you tell the recruit, come on down here and you, you can advertise cars at the, you can get, we'll pay you to advertise cars at the car lot or will somebody here pay you to do this or pay you to do that? Some booster uh, will kick in whatever it takes to get that guy here. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's, all, it's all uncharted territory. I think it's just absolutely, I can say this, stuck a fork. You can forget this term. Please don't use it anymore. This should be, if, if, the, if the woke um, outfit wants to put a, a lid on something, they should put it on the uh, student-athlete uh, terminology because uh, that is bogus. It, there's, it doesn't describe in any way, shape, or form what we're all about now. We're about a pro athlete, at least at the very minimum, a semi-pro athlete. And we, when, you know, if you want to look on the bright side of it, at last we've become honest and we no longer are telling these lies that these guys on the field really care about getting an education. Oh, there might be a, a few that you can point to and if you want to be a proud papa, so to speak. But um, that, ain't, that ain't the majority of the children. Um, the majority of them are all here to make it for themselves. And the coaches are going to have to dance to their tune, dance to their fiddle. So we're going to have to – it's going to be interesting how you woo a coach um, given that situation. Uh, the coach has got to have some guarantees as well, I would think. If I were in a position to be a, recruited as a basketball coach at Florida, I would say, well, what have you got for me to sell these kids on? Literally, dollar signs. Not just, you know, this grass is so green here and the climate's so great and all that. They give a hoot about that. They don't care about that. What are you going to give them that will enable them to jump as quickly as possible to the pros? And how many are you going to have in here who are really, we're just a farm club now in these universities. We're not a university athletic association. We are a NBA or NFL farm club system. It's like the major league baseball has a farm league system. We, and they don't necessarily use the universities. They have their own pro world uh, where they put players to develop and see if they can bring them up. There is no, nothing like that for uh, NBA or NFL, so they're going to have to use the colleges to do it. And that's where we are with uh, football and basketball. Uh, it's, um, it, it, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys about it, and most of them are absolutely appalled by it. Um, but, uh, you know, you talk to the guys right now that are working for this football coach, He's got a whole crew of young ones, young people, whose whole job is to figure out how to create an attractive package uh, for recruits. And I got to tell you, even for the way in which they come uh, to uh, Celebration Point, uh, which is kind of the diamond in the rough here now down on Parcher Road, 
even how, how do they how do they bring them to that from the aeroporto and they must bring them over the bridge uh, the head coach chastised not there chastised a couple or uh, corrected let's put it this way a couple of the young people he's got in charge of bringing these recruits into the uh, limelight here for not taking a grand approach to celebration point they they never came over this this is the truth they never came over the bridge because when they come over the bridge and i don't know if you've been over the little bridge there but you get a kind of a feeling that you're about to descend into greatness and um there's restaurants and theaters and all that there and uh soon to be an indoor uh, some sort of sports facility but by golly the county is putting up so you can see that that's really the only thing we've got here in Gainesville that we're not going to take them out to Devil's Mohopper. We're not going to take them down to Payne's Prairie. We're not going to show them any of the environmental niceties and all the trees. Um, that's not going to cut it. Um, you know, the piney woods of North Central Florida doesn't mean a darn thing to them. Uh, they want to see the glittering lights. And we don't have a hell of a lot of glittering lights here, thankfully, from my point of view. But uh, who am I? But that's what they're going to be looking at. Now, some of the dyed-in-the-wool basketball schools, Gonzaga, which, um, you know, um, has its own attractive package and uh, history and brand already established, um, um, they, they are um, um, always going to have an attraction. Uh, but the, I guess the biggest news you can take away from this um, NCAA brackets for men's basketball. We know what it is for women's is that uh, Florida women basketball team has made it to the big dance for the first time in uh, old people's memory. But it, the, the story for uh, the, the men really is not so much about Florida because Texas A&M didn't, didn't get in. And, you know, that was kind of a Cinderella team um, played hard, this, that, one, another, athletic, entertaining. That doesn't matter, okay? So, uh, but on the other hand, this, because they did play well, the Southeastern Conference um, is now is going to start thinking of itself as a two-sport league. Um, you know, Kentucky's always been um, the, big, the big crown jewel, but here we come with Auburn. Um, um, Pearl has got more lives in it than the proverbial cat. He bounces around and land, he was at Tennessee for a while. And as I remember, now he's at Auburn. He's a good coach. He's a smart guy. And um, he was a gracious loser when he got beat in the finals. But um, he's still, uh, it's earned, they earned their number one ranking. He was the first uh, number one ranking in the program's history. And uh, it's been pegged as a number two seed in the Midwest region. A number nine Tennessee is a number three seed after he beat Kentucky, this is all in the SEC. And um, the, the, the Kentucky teams are in a two seed in the East region. Uh, so, and all, these teams are loaded with veterans. So this is the climate that old Scott Strickland has got to wave a magic wand and somehow find somebody who can compete with this. Um, you know, the, the Duke guys, Coach K, um, they're, 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 um, mustering out after a long uh, uh, star-lit career and uh, did really, really well. But gone are the days when uh, uh, Duke and North Carolina, those guys necessarily were the teams were known as basketball schools. And now you've got a number 
of them that can do that in the SEC and kind of hold their heads up proudly. Now, there is a couple, there are a couple of things, of course, I'll just mention, as you know, uh, Brady coming back. And, you know, Brady lives in Tampa. And why not? You know, you know, if you got a pad down there by the water and who and, and you know, you, you the stadium's a football throw away, uh, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, I guess. I mean, he loves to compete. He's uh, obviously in good shape. He's obviously took, taking good care of himself. It all depends on what type of surrounding cast they can protect him with. And that would be decide for him how long you'll hang around. I think an awful lot had to do with Aaron Rodgers re-signing with the Packers that influenced Brady. Uh, Rodgers is off the charts now what they're paying that guy. Um, and, and he stuck it out with Green Bay. I think that probably sent a message to, to uh, uh, Brady. My God, you know, he's around. He's making the big bucks, you know. He's sticking with the team he's been with. Um, I'm living right across the pond here from uh, my team. Maybe I'll just come back. for. I, I can't really tell you what's in his mind, but that's what it would be in my mind if I were he. Now, of course, um, we have a, an example of, of something that is uh, kind of interesting about this name image likeness. Uh, Florida State is reportedly got the first college player uh, in football as a defensive back who's holding out because he doesn't like um, the, the, you know, the fact that he, he needs a name image likeness deal. And um, he, he doesn't feel like it's uh, uh, really the ones he's gotten or been offered are, are the best ones that uh, there should be. Now, of course, going on busily behind the scenes uh, on all these programs, the boosters are trying to raise as much money as possible not for education, you understand. That's the last thing the boosters care about. Um, they want to raise um, deep money from deep pockets and alumni bases um, to uh, buy these players. And Florida State is um, said to be dealing, this is according to a Pro Bible article, is said to be dealing with a pay-for-play adjacent scenario. Um, they're going to be absent, one of their players for spring practice, uh, it'll be Jarvis Brownlee. Uh, he has decided he's not coming to spring practice because of um, he is uh, lacking the, a deal that he thinks is unfitting what he deserves. And, um, um, you know, he's just he's not going to he's not going to risk his body and go out there and bang around in a in a spring game and get beat up. And is, which is a traditional proving ground for playing in the fall. Um, he's a starter. He's been a starter last season. He was a four-star recruit out of high school. And um, he, he just said, heck with it. I mean, I, I know who I am. I know how good I am. And uh, somebody's got to pay for me to come out there and do this. I'm not going to do it until they do. Um, we don't know if there's uh, ever been anything like this, according to Pro Bible article, in, in, in college football like this before. I mean, you've got you've got a guy who is a, a known recruit, a superstar at high school. And by the way, now whatever high school he was playing for, uh, now they'd have to hold on to him because another high school could also offer him a name image likeness deal if he were still in high school 
or if there's one like him down there now. So this is this is just starting, and nobody knows where it's going to end. And it's a, it's kind of a, a free agency of athletics now at the college and even the high school level. Um, I'm not going anywhere unless you pay me. I'm not going to go out and bang my head in the gauntlet or the um, in the bull in the ring or uh, you know seven on seven drills or whatever else you got going on out there. I'm not going to do that until I'm paid well to do it. And by the way, I'm not talking about a college education. I don't really care about a full scholarship to the college. You understand the trade-off here? These guys, I guarantee you, this guy who's sitting out uh, has a full scholarship. If he's that good, he's got a scholarship to get an education, right? Um, but guess what? That is not does not mean anything to Brownlee. He, he, you know, I don't. I'm not here to get an education. I'm here to become, you know, draftable and and um, move on. Now, there it is. I mean, at long last, the naked truth is out there. That's all I can tell you is the, the naked truth is out there. It is. It's always really been this way, but it's never been uh, quite as blatant now as it will become. And nobody knows, you know, right now, the, the boosters are this group of alumni who came out of the university, okay? But if, where are you going to build your alumni base from uh, if these guys are not loyal to the college? I guess you'll just have to build it from the guys who don't play the sport, but who will pay to see the sport. And there's a whole bunch of people out there like that. Uh, we've got a funny name for them, which I won't use on the air. Uh, but they, they suck around the athletes all the time. Uh, I don't know what it is about them. They just absolutely love to bask in their reflected glory. Um, they get all right, revved up when one comes in the room and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, it, and they're just people. They're just people. And many times they're not very well-rounded people. I mean, they haven't read a book or they never had to write a sentence. Or Now, you know, of course, I understand there's some exceptions, but not generally. And we're, headed, we're not headed in the direction where when one comes in the room, he will have written a book. We're, we're, we're moving in the direction where one comes in the room, he was purchased by the highest bidder. So uh, if that's what floats your boat, fine. I mean, that's good. But uh, they'll, they'll, they'll always be used by the business world because the business world capitalizes off of them. Uh, the business world loves to say, oh, so-and-so is here tonight or, you know, so-and-so sells cars, you know. That, that is what we call in my world of athletics, ba basking, basking our reflected glory. Uh, and, and there's a lot of warmth there basking in the reflected glory of these guys. The spinoff of that is quite, quite good. And now they're going to, I don't blame them. In a lot of ways, I don't blame them. If you guys are going to make money off of me, how about me making money off of you? And this was Emmett Smith's complaint. That uh, number 22, when he was here, uh, was already making money for the university, selling jerseys and stuff for 2200 He didn't get a nickel of it, okay? And he knew darn good well that he was really good, and he was going to go on and be good, and he didn't get a nickel of it. Now, I'm not saying he personally was behind this name, image, likeness movement, because I think collectively it took a whole nation of Emmett Smiths to complain about the fact that the business guys were exploiting them. Uh, kind of using them uh, for their own glory 
and, and not getting anything in return. It was a one outsided deal. So now, you know, maybe and from the player's point of view, okay, I'll, I'll come by and hang out with you, uh, but you got to pay me, okay? Now, we're already doing that, of course, we know, but we're, do we're doing this for pros and we're doing this for guys who've been pros and, you know, you pay them. Um, they don't come by per grata. Um, so, so now we're going to do it for guys who haven't even made it yet. We're going to pay them. And that's the line we're talking about here. What, what, where did that line come from? What was the philosophy behind it? Is it good for um, what? You know, I mean, does it besmirch education in some way? Um, does it fill the stands? That's going to be one of the things that no one knows yet. Will the stands still, will the people still root for, let's say, the University of Florida if every player down there is, so to speak, a, a pro player or semi-pro player? I suspect, yes, all the people in the stands care about is the party before and all the uproar leads up to it, the clubs and all that business, and then whatever economic uh, uh, push it gets from it. And so they don't care. Uh, the fans are woefully naive about what goes on in, in the player's world, I believe me. <laughs> woefully naive. And should remain, it should remain that way. <clears throat> they don't need to know. Okay? They don't need to know. Uh, you know, just let them come and pay the money and eat the popcorn and all that. They don't need to know what goes on behind the scenes. But now it's kind of out of the open, and it's a little bit more blatant. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see if that changes at all. Uh, so there's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of things that are going to go on and influence, I suspect, the pick of who the next uh, basketball coach will be. And um, certainly we'll see this fall uh, whether all these, uh, the dice that have been rolled, you know, bring a return. But it is interesting <clears throat> that we have a holdout at FSU who will not play the spring game, knows he's good, been good, and just doesn't have the right financial deal to play. We'll be right back after we thank our sponsors and I clear my throat a little bit uh, on the Ward Scott Files. Thanks for hanging around. Uh, got some news coming up here nationally to talk about. Be right back. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Octone, octone, the papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much now. At Warthog. Oh, you got a 
He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Just juggling my computers here. Um, trying to look up something while we're uh, talking here. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, world's got a lot of tension in it right now, of course. Uh, we know that from what's going on in Ukraine, which is uh, tough to look at, uh, very difficult to um, watch. And um, um, it's kind of a war being conducted once again not unlike some of the previous ones, which were on television, but now it's on internet and there's actually these handheld cameras and all that. And, you know, you wonder if there's any truth to Putin's assessment of, of this country as weak. Uh, title of the day show a weak supposal. That, that is the incomplete phrase of a complete line. It goes like this, a holding a weak supposal of our worth. And that is spoken by um, Horatio to the guards when they are trying to determine in uh, the play Hamlet uh, why the ghost of King Hamlet has appeared to them in an apparition as they're standing watch over the border of Denmark. Um, and Horatio, who's the smartest man in the play, who's the real scholar and Hamlet's best friend, um, comes to the guards and explains that well, rationally, what you would believe here is that Fortinbras holds a weak supposal of our worth. The king has come back to warn us, you see, because at that particular moment, and we don't know this till the play unfolds, King Hamlet, who was a strong king, was killed by his brother Claudius out of jealousy and lust for power and killed uh, King Hamlet. And then because he was the brother of King Hamlet was made the king. And there was that power vacuum for a moment there when the queen ran the country, but she was in mourning. And at that moment, Fortinbras, who uh, was their arch enemy, um, felt like it was a good time to attack. Uh, Denmark. Well, that is the logic that Horatio uh, gives to the guards. Uh, and it speaks volumes about uh, leaders and power and perceptions of power. So Putin has always figured, according to what a lot of people are trying to determine, and that is how his mind works. Um, a lot of people have figured that he now holds a weak supposal of our worth. He did not hold it when Trump was president, but he holds it now that Biden is president. And furthermore, he has been watching this confusion and chaos and failure of our culture as this woke culture cancels everything and creates disorder in the streets and uh, in the justice system and in the education system 
and there becomes a kind of approved narrative. Putin's been watching this. They've been studying this. And one explanation for his motivation for attacking Ukraine now is that he holds a weak supposal of our worth. Well, I've been looking around to see where there might be documentation for this that might have been uh, an analysis of the very same thing that Putin's people have analyzed. And I think I found something that I want to share with you students in the class today. And that is a piece that has been, it's going to appear in Primus, which is a publication that is a well-respected publication, you know, that's put out by our independent college that doesn't kowtow to federal money. And this is Hillsdale College in Michigan. In my lifetime, I had the very good fortune to personally know some very, very good writers who, and once I'm thinking about it, come to mind when I tell you who this writer is, are my buddies, Don Pierce, who only maybe had a high school education. He, he, he was a genius. He wrote for, after he got off the chain gang and wrote uh, Cool Hand Luke, uh, the book, the movie, acted in it. Uh, he was hired as an investigative reporter uh, by Esquire magazine, Playboy magazine, uh, he was just excellent at it. There was also another fellow that I knew who was excellent. That's Nelson Algren, um, who, who awoke, walk, walk on the wild side and a man with a golden arm. Uh, Nelson Algren was a crime beat reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And he would go down and uh, watch the lineup uh, and report on the crime activity in Chicago. Uh, Eric Holder, whom I never met, but I always read with great admiration, was a longshoreman. And uh, he wrote a very, very influential work called The True Believer. And uh, those three gentlemen, uh, formerly uneducated, <clears throat> uh, incredibly intelligent, uh, writing really from the streets, if you will, or from the docks, if you will, uh, from the jails, if you will, uh, really have been very interesting in the way they have contributed to our understanding of that world that is unavailable to a lot of people if you don't actually go down on the bricks, as we say, with them. Now, Matt Rosenberg, <clears throat> he... I'm going to share with you many of his insights in a moment. He is a former yellow cab driver in Chicago. And there we go. I mean, how much can you learn from being a cab driver about a city? Wow. Now, there are cab drivers and there are cab drivers. But every once in a while, there's a Don Pierce cab driver or there's a Nelson Algren cab driver or there's an Eric Hoffer cab driver. And Matt Rosenberg is one of those guys. Um, he's worked for numerous publications. Um, he is uh, uh, a resident of Chicago. <clears throat> and so no one knows that place better probably than he does. 
And I want to just go through some things that <clears throat> Putin, no doubt, must be aware of. Now, you're going to say, well, gee, would he have read this? No, but this is pretty, maybe not, but he pretty much, everybody is watching America, right? We're always being watched. And one of the things that's happened, <clears throat> and you might already know this, is that um, uh, the effects, what I call the effects of the George Floyd verdict. And it's also what Rosenberg has noticed. What have been the effects on American culture? Now, that is just a little recent memory now. What are the effects of the George Floyd situation? And how much of the world has been watching and knows this? I'm going to take you through some Rosenberg says have been the effects and why those things became effects. And then ask you if it's reasonable for this to be observable by other nations, particularly Putin. Um, Ever since uh, the riots uh, from the George Floyd incident, uh, up until George Floyd's incident, Rosenberg says that violent crime in America's major cities was on the decline. But since the George Floyd incident, it's headed the opposite direction. Since the incident, Murders nationwide rose 29.4%. The number of murders in Chicago rose 55%. <clears throat> and Chicago led the way with 797, which is the city's highest number in 25 years. And it's violent crime epidemic since the Floyd incident, is not limited to murder. There have been 3,561 shooting incidents. That's up 63%. There have been expressway shootings that rose from 51 in 2019 to 130 in 2020 to 273 in 2021. The expressway shootings have pushed Chicago's actual 2021 murder total beyond 800. And expressway killings aren't counted in the official city numbers because the expressways, get this now, are under state jurisdiction, okay? You have to understand, even in the city of Gainesville, <clears throat> one road would be a federal road, another road would be a state road, another road would be a city road, Another road would be a county road. And they're never marked unless you look very, very closely. So uh, what's fueling that is also interesting is that there is a kind of a social media insult that goes on uh, between the gangs and then they take it out on the expressway. And of course, a lot of people get caught in the crossfire. Um, the gangs have something they call Chicago drill, where they uh, call each other out and then go looking for 
uh, the presence of each other and they start letting the bullets fly and they call it the Chicago drill. Um, they are uh, the older generation of gang leaders, according to Rosenberg, who knows from being a 30 year cab driver, um, uh, they, they're gone. And now they've been replaced by these young guys who are dangerous, stealing weapons. Uh, they haven't, they barely reached puberty. Uh, we've got them all over Gainesville. Don't think we don't. And uh, it's not talked about, uh, but uh, you can see it. It's up 14%, and that's probably a conservative estimate. Meanwhile, the Chicago's black population is down one-third since 1980. It's bogus to think that the black culture is homogenous. It's all the same. No, there are good, law-abiding, hard-working black people who aren't in the least be interested any more than the white people are in being around this type of violence. Um, increasing numbers of blacks are going to the surrounding suburbs and getting out of the city. Uh, the carjacking arrests, uh, 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 only 11% uh, of the cases. Um, but here is a problem. Uh, here is a problem, and it's the, it goes along with the violence. <clears throat> it is the judicial system, if you want to call it that. In Chicago, they have something called clearing uh, or solving uh, murders. It, they're called cleared, which is, a, according to Rosenberg, a misguided technical term, because when you clear a murder, it doesn't mean you solved it. It means you closed it. And the term, uh, uh, if they say uh, closed exceptionally, that means that a murder has been declared solved, but without the filing of criminal charges. And usually, how can that happen? How can you solve a murder, but not file criminal charges? We see it all the time uh, here on the Ward Scott Files when we do background checks on people uh, that have been in trouble. We see that, my God, they've got, a, and I'm on the board of crime shoppers, my God, they've got a rap sheet as long as your arm, and it's all dangerous, and they've done things that you would think would have put them away. But the criminal justice system, and we're just going to look at Chicago right now because Rosenberg is looking at it for us, uh, what they do is they declare it solved exceptionally, and by doing that, they don't file criminal charges because they say the cops didn't present enough convincing evidence. <clears throat> So you factor in the fact that the cops are the bad guys now, and then you factor in the judicial system says, well, we can't convict the guy because you cops didn't give us enough evidence. And you really have a formula for a problem like Chicago, where easy probation, according to Rosenberg, has become a, a license to kill. Um, and this is a very interesting observation by Rosenberg. And it finally made a light bulb go off in my head, students. Criminal justice, okay, because of these prosecutors and because of these judges, criminal justice no longer means criminal justice. It means social justice. Social justice. And you'll see that from these liberals, 
they'll say, oh, well, we don't want any background checks. That, that's no good. You know, we shouldn't have to be delving in. This guy, you know, he didn't mean it or he came from this set of circumstances. We can't hold him responsible. What they're doing, according to Rosenberg, and I think he's dead on here, is they're changing the whole criminal justice system to a social justice system. And he points out a guy named Judge Timothy Evans. And he, uh, uh, under his direction, suspects charged with felony gun violations and overtly violent felonies are released on low cash or no cash bail. <clears throat> I looked the guy up. And if you look him up, if you Google a guy, what Rosenberg says is the case is completely contrary to the glossy pre PR presentation you get about him when you Google him. Oh, this guy is supposed to be cooler than sliced bread. Well, it is totally contrary. The PR on him, when you Google him, is totally contrary. He has uh, not always been trustworthy, according to Rosenberg, in the use of data. In 2020, he released a report claiming that there was no significant increase in crime after bail reform was enacted. Uh, he said only 147 felony defendants released before trial on the low cash and no clash bail within the previous year in the court it had been charged with felony offenses. But he doesn't uh, keep the data the way you think it should be kept. Um, the uh, uh, Evans office fails to count uh, six different felony crime categories as felonies. In other words, he on himself <clears throat> has decided that a felony crime category is not really a felony crime. And so it doesn't count. Now, uh, the problem is getting the, the, the Democrat, the uh, Illinois legislature to look at this. The problem is it is a one party rule and always has been in Chicago. Chicago is what got Kennedy elected. Um, Joe Kennedy was able to go in and influence Daly and influence the mob and influence the machinery there. And that state and that part of that state is what put Jack Kennedy in office. Um, people have always pointed to that as the place where the original voter beep took place. And you can go back and research it for yourself. But uh, the one party Democrat rule legislature has no interest in stopping crime because they have joined in on this woke definition that the guy didn't do it, the circumstances made him do it. Uh, <clears throat> Rosenberg, who had been in the cab for quite a bit, thought that the foot patrol program called Operation Impact would be the best program you could put in the highest crime hot zones. But the problem with it is that where once upon a time you could have maybe one cop walk a neighborhood, you can't do it anymore. You've got to have three or four cops, and then you've got to have backup nearby cars. And this would require to effectively go after crime, would require more police funding, not more police defunding. So what is the hidden 
ghost in all this. It's the woke culture that insists on turning the criminal justice system into a social justice system. Therefore, does Putin know this? Does Putin see that we have so much internal chaos that we don't have any leadership? I mean, we've got people out here screaming that uh, we can't conduct this defense of Ukraine because of climate change. You don't think he doesn't know that? And you don't think he doesn't know that Biden has gone down to court favor with Venezuela and Venezuela is propped up by Russia? It is maddening. Now, the other thing, obviously, that Rosenberg has noticed, I say obviously because I think anybody with a brain, is the collapse of the family. Now, I said this quite a while ago, and I've said it several times, is when your family, as you're a young, particularly young male, okay, when your family collapses, you don't have a family, your gang becomes your family. And I shared with you how I learned from psychologists who studied this, how gangs determine whom their leader is best suited to be their leader. It is the guy who can lie the best. And you can see it. it let's put it in military terms. Let's say that you're, here comes Russia with this commander and you come out at the border and, say to, and you say to the Russian commander, do you have a tank division down the road around the corner where we can't see it? And the Russian commander, who is loyal to his tank division, tells you, let's say Ukrainian on the other side of the border, no, I don't. Has he lied? He has not lied to the men to whom he took the oath. He has lied to the Ukraine guy. Now, Martin Luther King addressed this in letter from Birmingham jail. Brilliantly. He said, I am in the jail doing time because I broke your law. I believe in the law. So I'm doing the time. But your law doesn't reflect a higher morality. Your law should be changed. Your law should not be based on segregation. But it's not. And I broke it. I ate at the counter and said whites only. So I'll do the time. But in doing the time, I want to take the stand that the lunch counter should be whites and blacks. But until you change the law, do the time. It's called letter from Birmingham jail. So in this case, he didn't lie. But he didn't believe that the law was true. So when the family collapses, the gang will take its place. You can book it, okay? Now, furthermore, Rosenberg has studied this and has noticed, and it ain't nothing I ain't told you already, the neighborhoods in Chicago with the highest murder rates 
are the same neighborhoods in which births to single mothers are the highest. May I repeat that for you? The neighborhoods with the highest murder rates are the neighborhoods in which births to single mothers are the highest. Any problem with that? And you got your head in the sand. Among children raised in households headed by two biological parents, regardless of race, in other words, it can be a black and white, you know, studies find greater education, attainment, higher adult income, and much lower rates of incarceration. Do you get it? Do you get it? And all of this has gotten worse since the George Floyd incident. Now, the public schools, of course, <coughs> are dismal in Chicago. Fewer than two, get this now, fewer than two out of ten, two out of ten, black, fourth through eighth grade, achieve the proficient level in reading and math on the National Assessment of Educational Progress. Now, meanwhile, these LBGTQWXYZ woke progressive lefts want the emphasis to be on look down and see what you got. When the facts of the matter are, at least in Chicago, that wouldn't help a dang bit on their ability to read and, and do math. Consequently, there is one bright spot in Chicago, and that is the public charter school. And in the public charter school, where those classes are more academically demanding, those kids are doing much, much better than the ones in the public school. Um, he's got all kinds of incidents here of people who were innocent, who were caught up in the violence. And I'm going to go back and tell you what I think it's due to the lack of leadership in Chicago, which is backed up by the lack of leadership in the Illinois legislature, which is backed up by the lack of leadership in the Oval Office. which is backed up by what Putin and his henchmen must be aware of. I'll assure you they're aware of it, that we have got all the wrong priorities. And therefore, it makes perfect sense to hold a weak supposal of our worth because we are over here busy, 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 involved in discussions that really don't strengthen the country. When you turn criminal justice into social justice, you really kneecap the country.
I wanted to share that with you, former cab driver, the worker, the writer of the streets, like Eric Hoffer, the true believer, Nelson Algren, walking to the wild side, man with a golden arm, and Don Pierce, cool hand Luke. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.